face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, are Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Um, I'd just like to open up by just, just making apology. I know I've been sipping from Koppenberg bottles and advertising on this show, which isn't fair, because they also come in these handy cans. Which you can get from your local supermarket in this wonderful, uh, convenient carry case, which you can open to dispense them even. Can you just, you know... I'm, I'm just managing with a nice uh, Savion Blanc, which comes that with must a handy... Be so refreshing. It comes with a handy twist-off cap that you can put back on, so no messing about with messy corkscrews. Now, I'd, yeah, I'd like to... Needed. Question there for both of you then. So, so first of all, Squee, can you put that handy carry case... In a fridge, for example, and does it open in such a fashion that the next can is within easy reach? Why, that would be a delightful and refreshing thing to do with this, which you can indeed. There we go. And Elliot, likewise, I imagine you could put that bottle with that twisty top in your fridge without any risk of leakage. I can. It fits nicely where my milk bottles fit, but if I'm full, it will go... Nice the other shelf about leakage. There we go. And well, James, um, do you not have any products that you want them to well, send? Well, I, I have this <laughs> nice bottle of um, Pepsi Max Cherry, and Ooh. similarly, a twist on top, and you can place that in your fridge, and that won't leak in your fridge there. So, definitely I my my preferred week. zero sugar soft drink. I mean, hopefully by next week, we'll have to say advertisement before we do it. It's hard to set this. Absolutely. Now that the money's rolling in. So while we're plugging things, let's do a bit of Trek news and we'll plug the Golden Globe Awards because Star Trek's very own Michelle Yeoh won Best Actress for a Musical or Comedy for her performance in Everything Everywhere All at Once, which incidentally was robbed of Best Film, Musical or Comedy, but we yep. won't get into that. The fact that she won the acting award for it and Short Round won the Best Supporting Actor award as well um, is just <laughs> fantastic that any genre film gets a look in. But the fact that they've both won big awards Anyone there, who didn't see that movie last year, get out there and watch it. On Amazon Prime now? Yes. Um, I think can quite safely say it was probably the best movie last year. Oh, easily for me, yeah. It was amazing, yeah. I mean, just, uh, I kind of love the idea that it's, um, like, I mean, you know, M Michelle Yeoh, not exactly a um, a small-time actor, but it was kind of fairly low budget, which mm -hmm. was really, like, it was just about what it was about, not about the effects and stuff, which is kind of a refreshing change. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic yeah. film. And as I say, any genre film getting any sort of recognition at awards, hopefully, the, because the Oscars tend to take a bit of a cue from the Golden Globes, so I'm hoping that maybe yeah. Michelle Yeoh will get an Oscar nod. I don't expect for one minute oh, she'll win, nice. but I think that'd be great yeah. if she did. Yeah, uh, if it can get that far, that would be truly amazing. As yeah, I say, like, it's lovely. Uh, for the Oscar, What's that, sorry? 
Kate Blanchett's tips for the yes, that new it. film that's because um, they're they're doing that thing, aren't they, where they they hold back all the Oscar films until around this time of year, and then they release yeah. them all so that they're fresh in everybody's mind. Anywho, so that's the Trek adjacent news for the day. But what we're really here to talk about? Can we, sorry, just while we're on the Trek news, very quick. Very quick. They released on. a uh, new poster for the last series of Picard, which they. Um, I mean, <laughs> it was quite funny because the last, you know, next gen movie had uh, the beginning of the end of the uh, final journey. Oh and, yeah, like, this a one generation. The final journey. It's like, well, well, I suppose this is the end of the end then. <laughs> a, I mean, it's, okay, it's got Raffi and Seven on it, but basically, it's the next gen crew on the poster. Yeah. So it's like, um, yeah. one more last journey for them, unless we make a movie because this does really well. And then you've got Patrick Stewart doing press saying, "Well, it is the end, but I'd be up for another next gen oh. something or other." So, okay. <laughs> If they could just do it as a movie, I think that would be the final. And get the undiscovered country moment on the big screen. Yeah, that's what exactly. I want to see. Yeah. But um, but we're going back in time a little bit. We're finally back to the Dominion War now that we've got a lull in new Star Trek. So apologies if you've tuned in to hear our thoughts on a new episode of Star Trek. There wasn't one this week. No. Oh. It's like four weeks. How we managed to survive this torture? It's really well. You you messaged me on Friday morning last week saying like, "Where's my new episode of Star Trek?" <laughs> I'm so I'm so distraught that when I held up four weeks, I held up three <coughs> fingers. Like that's how caught up I am by this. Jesus. Um, yeah, no, it's literally. It was like this Friday. I go, oh, new Star. No, yeah, no. Well, it's it's about a month before any new Star Trek yeah. lands. I'm trying to think. It's it does seem like a long time since we didn't have any new Trek on. Mm. I think last time it might have been a week between ages, yeah. ages. Like, was the last time we had a gap, and that was, I think, a couple of series ago. I think yeah. it might have been between um, Picard and um, uh, Strange New Worlds. No, it wasn't, because the Picard finale <laughs> and the Strange New Worlds pilot were the same oh, yeah. day. So it wasn't Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks, then maybe that was no, the I'm sure there was a week. Discovery somewhere. overlapped with Strange New Worlds, which overlapped with Picard, so it'll have been Lower Decks to Discovery will probably be the last time we had yeah. a... Maybe that's it. We had a break, which has taken us way back last year. Anyhow... Yeah. So we're back to the Dominion War, and we're we're, we're going to get to the end of season four now, <laughs> and we're looking at the two episodes, the Quickening, not to be confused with the Highlander sequel, and oh which we probably will talk about because you can't talk about the Quickening and not talk about Highlander two. <laughs> if we have to, oh, <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say I love Highlander two. I don't. But I I have less venom towards it than a lot of people no, do. I, I mean, I Highlander I, went down a lot further than Highlander two. It yeah, in all fairness, I, I grew up watching these movies, and the second one like was always kind of fun as a kid, and I've got nostalgia for it. And plus, like, let's face it, uh, Sean Connery is always entertaining, even a complete turkey. And Chris Lambert is very entertaining in it. If, yeah, if, if it's not the best, yeah, um, script. Uh, it's just got some. I mean. It's one of them, I, I highly recommend, if you've seen that film, if you hate it, which you probably do, um, if you dig out the We Hate Movies podcast and listen to their episode on it, it is absolutely hysterically funny. It's very well observed, as most of their stuff is. Um, and, yeah, it raises some really interesting points, but, 
Yeah, there's a bit oh, no, where... Talking to... Sorry, go on. No, no, you do your bit. I'll, I'll tell you in a sec. No, I was just going to say, there's a bit in Highlander 2 where when he first gets re-immortaled, um, for want of a better word, when he's old, and he gets re-immortaled and he turns young again and there's this woman there and he just goes up to her and he goes, I am Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod and I cannot die. Except the Scottish accent's not as accurate as that. And then he just basically chucks one up her in an alleyway and you're like, okay, that's kind of come out of nowhere. So I chucked one up her up the alleyway sounds something very different in your northern accent. I'm sorry, it does. It's, it's not that different. Have you seen the scene I'm talking about? It's what actually happened. Oh, God, it's been so long since I watched that film. There's so much else to distract me. I've got to watch it again. I uh, might have to do it. Yeah, I think you definitely uh, took some tips there uh, from... Um... Oh, what's that movie we've been trying to watch? Oh, what, The Destroyer, is Death it? Deathstalker. Deathstalker. Oh, well, like, if you, if you haven't seen Deathstalker, mm-hmm. it's one of these 80s fantasy genre movies, but every time he rescues someone, he rapes them. Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It, it literally is rescue rape, rescue rape. The the movie is unreal. Although when they try to market it as rescue and rape, it, it scored very poorly. In, in yeah, it, I mean it's got five sequels, so it can't have done that badly. No, no. The, once they changed the name, they were fine with it. Oh, that was it. Yeah, it's just like you can't tell people what it's about. You need to trick them into coming into the cinema and then <laughs> wallop. The only time when you can totally get away with uh, the word rape is if it fo- is followed by pillage with pirates. For some reason, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was um, the story I was going to tell was a friend of mine, Al Galpin, which Al, if you're watching, uh, hello. But um, he went on Pointless. And the last question was films with Sean Connery. Oh. And he said Highlander. And when I was watching the episode, I was screaming at the TV going, no, Highlander 2, Highlander 2, the quick and no, it's a much like, no. And, and surely enough, like when it gets like Highlander went down to, I think it was one or two. It really went down for some reason. Oh, yeah. And they, Highlander 2 would have been a pointless answer. Oh, I'll tell like, you what my, oh, my answer would have been that. Playing by heart. What about nice. Is it Zabago that- or he did? Oh, no, you'd Zardos. Zardos. But, yeah. But, the, um, yeah, they, this was right the final, the final pointless question. So they, they got to the final and just on that question. I bet playing by heart's pointless. I mean, let's be honest, a lot of Sean Connery's sure back catalogue were pretty pointless. But anyway, right, let's talk about Star <laughs> Trek. We're 11 minutes in. No, we've talked about <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. That's not fair. Right. Um, so, the quickening then. This is the quickening, I, McLeod. I just want to say, you were open and arguing about my choice that we should do cover the quickening. Yeah. I just want to say, all that they've had in the, we have a chat room, and all these two have done all days go on about how good the quickening is. It's a great <laughs> episode. I never disputed it was a great episode. It was just one of the ones we, when we made this bit of behind the scenes, inside baseball stuff, so we made a big list. Hey, inside baseball, of, perfect. Of what we thought the, we should cover with the Dominion War, and a couple of them had question marks next to, uh, because we were like, well, it's, it's kind of Dominion related, but it, th- that's not the thrust of the episode. So... 
this was one that we could have dropped for time if we needed to. But I, I think mean, since... Time's gone out the window. Yeah, since we've resigned ourselves to the fact that we're going to be covering the Dominion War till 2032, <laughs> um, we thought, why not put the quickening in there? And also, uh, may I just add, Elliot, I never doubted you, it was all James. It was me. I liked the idea. You know why I wanted to include this episode? So we could talk about Highlander 2. Well, <laughs> apart, from, apart from how much I love Highlander 2, <laughs> it's because I think this, we've had a lot so far that it's all been the Federation that have been provocative in this. And we haven't seen any, like we've seen the Dominion sort of doing a few cloak and dagger things in retaliation, but we haven't seen anything really bad about them or anything, just them defending their own territory. Okay, um, we have we have some disagreements on this, but I get your broader point. We've heard, well, st- no, I think Elliot has got a good point because we, we've heard lots of people say, oh, the Dominion are a bunch of bastards, but... This is one of the first times we we see what living see on a planet it. under Dominion rule is actually mm. like. Yeah, if you go against what they say, and that's I, I why accept. I think this is this is an important episode for the Dominion yeah. War. It, it shows them as baddies for the first time. Yeah. I'm also going to throw in there that um, I remember this because you know, uh, as I said previous weeks, I recently did a complete rewatch of DS9. But watching this in isolation, knowing we were going to talk about it, and really paying attention, there's just so much in this. Like, it's such a great episode. You're totally right. It totally lays the scenes for what bastards... Like, it really has to show how bad the Dominion is through this episode. Um, and it's just, yeah, like, uh, there's an American saying which goes, fuck around and find out. And I think this is mm. what you uh, what you have with this episode. So, <laughs> yeah. With the uh, planet who try to go against the Dominion. It is a cautionary tale. And it tees up so much which is going to happen later on with um, with this it's great. And it's a great Bashir episode, and Bashir yes. is unashamedly one of my favourite characters in all of Star Trek, so I'm always happy with a Bashir episode. And a delight to talk to him, I add. Um, you may. You have. <laughs> um, I have seen your interview with uh, Sid. Oh, yeah, yeah, look up uh, Doug the Squeeze Show. Oh, for Christ's sake, what's wrong with my camera today? Uh, look up the Doug the Squeeze Show uh, YouTube and uh, youtube.com slash Doug the Squeeze, and you can see that video for anyone who's interested. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to leave the camera off for a second so I, I can think it's a dragon filter. <laughs> dragon filter? You oh God, You dare insult me that I'm not a pure <laughs> dragon. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, though, that um, I love right at the beginning of this episode because something I was messaging you guys about earlier is the fact that they've got... Uh, there's early Bashir and then there's later Bashir post... Like, I always picture it as being post when he gets his kind of, like, we find out he's genetically engineered yeah. that he... He becomes more kind of uh, grounded as character. But in this, it seems like, because I, I think placing this in time, I think by now he has lost a bit of that young, over-the-top kind of like presentation of the character. But in this one, they kind of reset it at the beginning, so it really shows that later on, it's a nice little bit of artistic license that later on in the episode, when he is acting more mature, more weary from mm. the battle, it really highlights it. I think that was so, such a nice choice by the writers and uh, obviously uh, Sid as well. Yeah, it does. It's um, it is kind of Bashir's whole arc, but kind of condensed to to one episode. To forty two minutes. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, but let's start at the beginning, though, because I think, Elliot, you put a picture of this on the thumbnails. We start with Quark's advertising, <laughs> including <laughs> including his mug, which Worf is really not happy about. I mean, it's bloody hilarious, but too thin, like... You look at that mug, those mugs were everywhere during the 90s. The TV graphics, the graphics as well. He's going, oh, I like it when the word quark spins like in the 23rd century. That's yeah. really impressive. Oh, sorry, 24th century. That's really impressive. <laughs> and it's also, both of the episodes we're going to talk about start off with things that, I mean, okay, it's a good fun scene, but it's like both start with scenes that the person who's doing it knows better than that. You know, it's like if it was that first series or maybe if he didn't know Odo, this might make sense, but Quark by now, surely he's got to know that Odo would be right up his ass the second this came out. Uh, of course or he Kira knows. Or, of course or, he knows that they're going to be all over him. But the point is that by the time they're all over him, everyone has got a cut from the red replicator. <laughs> everyone has already seen his advertisement before the stopping. He has done his. That's a very did. good point. He, he knows yeah, he's you not know. going to get away with it. He knows I, he's going to get threatened that you put this right or this happens or that happens and he, he knows this will happen to him but in his mind he knows the federation aren't going to find him anything they're just going to make him put it right so it's all it's cost him is a bit of time and he has advertised his bar and his brand of quark to everyone who's coming through that station now, I'm just going to say, because I knew, you see, I've worked with you long enough on this podcast, Elliot, to know that you'd come back with that. I had it in my mind already. And that makes sense for the computer graphics, but the mugs, they're just going to piss people off. Like, that's turning white customs, quite frankly. Yeah, but Ferengi, like, look at how Ferengi's dressed. They haven't got great taste. I, I just think, I, I, like, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm over um, kind of giving credit to Quark. But I, I, think, I think he's too I smart. think with the mugs, is one of these things that. At the time this should have been made, like, bear in mind, we're watching this back, what, 30 yeah. odd, just from Nearly 30, 30 years, years ago, yeah. yeah. It's just over, isn't it? It's just become Well, first. this one will be just under, because... Oh, when when this was done with that mug where, when you tip it, making a sound, that had been so that had actually been... It would have, and still annoying like that. I think I had a Star Trek mug that probably made yeah. a transporter yeah, sound but, when you picked it but, up. Yeah. But these sort of things were just new technology-wise at this time when this was made. So that's why it would be quite a gimmick how they're doing it. And we, now, 30 we, years later, when we look back at it, we go, yeah, that's tacky. But at the time, this was like the new cool toy. Sorry, I, I, I think that was always tacky, those bugs. But anyway, look, I, will look, I can I see the point. Yeah, but you haven't got much taste, have you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, suddenly, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll concede the point. I look Bloody forward to your rebuttal on the next episode when I bring the same issue up. <laughs> so, we get past the mug then, and the <laughs> main plot of the story is we get to this planet that's had this disease given to them by the Dominion. And the most striking thing that happens to begin with, is Dax gives away her hair clip, so we get a different Dax hairstyle for an episode. Yeah, and, because this when she lets it go. Yeah, and it's so unusual that the look of any characters changes in an episode that they have to specifically call it out in dialogue and go, I've given my hair clip away. Like, you can't... 
as if the audience will not just accept, oh, Dax is wearing a hair differently this episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they've got to get their, mon- their um, money or their help somehow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, well that, that's a very typical thing of TV at the time where characters always wore the same clothes. Yes. Yeah. And they always had the same hairstyle. That's and it. That, I have a change between seasons, that, and that would be when things changed. But they generally always wore and looked exactly the same. Although apparently later on in the in a cut scene, you see the same person who got the hair clip off uh, Dax in the bed, covered in the kind of like huge veins, coughing up a lung, hair like you know barely kind of holding onto her head, and the little hair clip at the front. She's going, "Do I look beautiful?" Yeah, that hair clip it hides it all. That oh, that's it. That's what it's all about. Is the hair clip yeah. and Dax yeah, you is selling the, the page now. Also, oh, not the page. Whatever this one's the blights, the blight, and Dax yeah. is selling them on Quark's QVC channel as well. Like Dax's hair clips. Maybe she could sell them <laughs> to the Vidians for the phage as well. Oh yeah, there you go. If she could have got out to the the Delta Quadrant. Um, so yeah, so everyone has the blight, and one of the interesting things is it establishes that there's these clinics, but basically these are hostels where the first stage of it is we're led to assume oh this is where they take them to die, like a, a hospice or something. But then we find out oh actually it, they they euthanize people at these places, and because the severity of the virus and how long this has been going on, that's become a part of their society and it's a completely accepted part. And Yeah, the, like, the same food all alive to be able to have a, a feast with the family before they die. Yeah. yeah. And to be um, fair to it, this episode doesn't touch on the euthanasia debate or anything, but it, it is interesting that yeah. they present this as that's how this culture has evolved, living with this virus, that death becomes a very different thing. In the final they even thing. say, uh, to your point, though, about the uh, them not... Um, I think this is such a grown-up way of looking at it. Like, they don't demonise the Doctor who is giving them some mercy mm. and giving them um, euthanasia. And they don't also damn uh, Bashir for being hopeful. They, they actually manage to have these two very different things coexisting and no one gets demonized which is so nice like if only we could have this lovely maturity in our modern debate <laughs> yeah i mean there's a little bit of sort of pushback initially when bashir's wanting to do yeah. things but but you're right it's dealt with fairly quickly and it's no use trying yeah, to like, help the whole euthanasia thing like with this society they've got the blight so the start with the legion so when it goes red they know that they're nearing death with it, it kills them. It's a very painful death. So the the give euthanasia them instead of having that last two days that they're in massive pain before they die. And well, this makes, is a very it argument. makes a lot of sense. This is the very argument that people are given for euthanasia. Well, exactly, yeah. yeah. And this episode easily could have been that, but it isn't. They deal with um, with other things, you know. So. In a way, it's quite good that they're not... They're telling a different story. Like, even though we've got this element in there that could have defined this whole episode, it's just part of a a bigger story about the disease. And the episode's really about what it is to be a doctor, I would say, or at least what it is to be a doctor in Bashir's eyes. 
And it's, like, it's also about, again, like you said, it's the, the arc of Bashir, like we both said, like it's the arc of Bashir from the beginning of the series to the end is told in this one episode. He's so like, oh my golly, wow. Like, uh, you know, and he even says in one scene, this, this beautiful scene where he goes like, I was so looking forward to getting back to the station and being asked like, did you cure the thing? Oh, that old thing I cured, that, you know, just brushing mm. it off. Yeah. And he just looks so fallen, and like it's, it, you can see him growing up in front of your eyes. Yeah. It's so powerful and well done, and so that, well acted by Sid. That that is like the pivotal scene because he's seen all of that, and yeah, I wanted to go back and I wanted to get the plaudits and I wanted everyone to be in awe of it. And then Dax rightly picks him up and says, "Well, how arrogant is it to assume that because you can't cure it in a week, there is no cure?" And I think that does get through to him and that that does ground him and that that makes him realize oh actually yeah you're right you know yeah. this is this is silly young Bashir who's thinking all of this whereas I need to be older and wiser and take a a better approach to it all and and for all my comments about like um playing it up at the beginning Actually, haven't said that. Like, you know, there are times when um, old thinking comes into your head. Every now and again, you get overexcited about something and just something which, like, that overexcited side of you could come for. I can, can actually see that happening to someone as yeah, well. Yeah, I can. And I think yeah. that is... Uh, in a way, it's very endearing for Bashir, but it is also a character flaw when you consider that he is a doctor and he is dealing with an entire species, an entire planet here. And that's far more important than his ego and the boost that he thought yeah. he might get from it. <laughs> yeah. Well, in hindsight, even though they didn't know this at the time, um, it kind of plays into the uh, enhanced um, mm -hmm. mind kind of capabilities thing. Because, you know, if someone is that genuinely that kind of able to, to do all these kind of wonderful things with their mind, with that comes a lot of cockiness a lot of the time. Yeah. So, like, it's almost like he's um, clever enough to be um, modest most of the time, but every now and again, his cockiness yeah, just breaks and through. Yeah, that I mean, actually... He is the smartest one in the room. Taking that into account, that puts a different spin on that conversation with Dax, because she's saying, well, that's incredibly arrogant that you think you can't cure it, but if she knew about him, he could turn around to her here and say, well, actually, if I can't solve it in a week with the capacity I've got, then I'm sorry, but it actually can't be cured, you know? So yeah. there is a different side to that, but because he is still, for want of a better term, um, a closeted, genetically enhanced person, he can point that out to her. So yeah, that that's really interesting. Actually, taking that that view of it, mm, yeah, I wonder. But yeah, I'm gonna think about that. I'm gonna I might watch this again actually with that in mind. But when he does commit to helping him, then you do get all the people turning up, and you get the guy who's like, it shows the faith they're now putting in him. So he says, "Well, I've cancelled well, my death to well, come well, and do the this." Thing is, <laughs> yeah. The thing will kill the kids' uh, Yes. He's a uh, space magic. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and everyone at home, remember, take a shot whenever you mention space magic. A we can't do that. You can't have <laughs> no, a shot no, no, every time we mention space magic. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but there is no technology on this planet. No. Oh, and there's evidence that it has been, and this is yeah, they say. what 
I'm more devious about what the do- like the Dominion haven't just given them a disease that be- that's basically slowly wiping out the, the mm-hmm. population genocide, but in a very painful, prolonged way. Mm-hmm. Like this has been going on two hundred years now. Okay. But also, we find out later when Bashir's treating them that the emissions from his electronic equipment speeds up yeah. the disease. So they've created something that not only are they all in suffering, but they've also made it so that any technology they might have had to try and find a cure, they can't use. That's a really good point. It. Yeah, it's it's the way they're repressing the people. It's not just, as you yeah. said, they could have dropped a bomb on them if they wanted to. But this is a problem. But they wanted genocide. them to stand. And they want them to stand as a kind of message to anyone else yeah. in the galaxy. Yeah. Again, fuck around and find out. This is your example of what's going to happen And it's also a case of, well, even if someone like the Federation turns up to help them, you're not going to be able to because it's going to make them worse. Because the technology won't, won't, won't work on the planet. It's going to affect them. Also, um, you mentioned before the guy who kind of volunteers, who's been mm-hmm. a bit of a hard ass, and he's been on uh, Bashir's case. Again, I'd just like to give a shout out. I think that guy's been in a few episodes of Trek, if not in other things. I recognise. I'm sure, him. yeah, yeah. And he's uh, wonderfully understated. Like he, he gives just enough to be snarky, but he's not a panto villain or anything, which can happen in Star Trek. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, I, I think we can tell we're a few series into uh, to Deep Space Nine. If you watch some of the earlier series. There have been like, oh no, I hate you and your technology. <laughs> this, this is a nice kind of it's a very real performance is what I'm saying yeah I agree um, then Bashir decides and this happens an awful lot in Star Trek Bashir decides right I am going to dedicate my life or however long it takes to solving this now and Kira and Dax just go okay take this stuff with you and then let us know when you want yeah, picking up he's like are you allowed to do that in Starfleet? Like, are you allowed to yeah, just go, like, right, I, I'm... I could, understand, I could understand the first part when Kira left them for a week. Yeah. And, and he made the argument, he goes, when we found... I can't remember the name of the planet, he goes, but when they had the plague and it was incurable, within an hour, we identified what it was. We'd within... affected the entire water table to cure them. Mm-hmm. And he makes that argument for why he gets why to leave him for the first week when Kira goes off and leaves him in Dax. But then, which is fair enough for a week, and it's like he used the argument it could take months for Starfleet Medical to come with a proper mission to to help. But like you say, it's wrong when he's just left indefinitely. It's like yeah, it's, it's cheaper. It's cheaper medicine. Exactly, like we need a doctor on DS9, mate. They they also throw out, it's like, oh, we can be back within a week. It's like, not, well, what we'll do is we'll go back to the station. We'll send another runabout straight away. So they'll come with loads of supplies and everything. Maybe a relief doctor. You know, it's like they could could have sent him so many more resources. But it's like, nah, okay, then we'll be back indefinitely when you say. Exactly. It's, you know, like... And what do they say to Cisco when they get back? Like, well, we ain't got a doctor anymore. You're gonna have to request one. Gets yeah. recent. What yeah, in middle of request the, in middle of a war? A temporary doctor. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I assume that like there must be a medical staff there. Like, fair enough, his chief. Actually, medicine, they... But there must be full medical staff. That what they have coming through. 
Sorry, James. Because I know you don't see them often. <laughs> Jim, but they're not in any war at the moment, are they? I, th- I think there's a, uh, the, there's something going on with Klingons. Uh, yeah, but it's so, not war. Okay, not technically not, not a war with the Klingons. They're not in a war yet. I'm sorry, you just might bring dishonor on their house if you claim that early. Okay. Um, they've got two potential wars on the horizon. I'm just yeah. saying I don't think it's a good time to lose your doctor. Fair days. I agree. All I'm saying. I, and I, I agree with your point where this does happen a lot in Trek where leave me here indefinitely. Yeah, yeah. I am resigning my commission. And of course, they're <laughs> back on the ship by the end of the episode. But I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, that that is, again, it's the one line explainer. All they had to do is East Coast like, no, you've got to come back now. In that case, I resign my commission. But then they always let them back in. Like, they just go, oh, yeah, okay, you can resume your duties. And she go, no, you got to go back to Academy. Yeah, back to Academy, another four years. So yeah, another four years of the coming. Tribunal for desertion. Yeah, we're knocking we're knocking your pay down, even though we don't pay you. But you you back to sleeping in lower deck quarters where you only get one slice of pizza. And remind what? me, was it was it actually? Um, I can't remember. It was like so many days or a week. I'm, I've got it in my head. It was a week. She said until they would be able to come back, which is the other bit. Which is like for fuck's sake, just a week. Like, I think she says two good. weeks. Yeah, I think she says you know they'll be they'll it's be able to come and pick you up within two weeks or something. It's um, ridiculous the timescale as well. It's like so you're gonna leave your chief medical officer there if something goes south, then he's not gonna get any help for two yeah. weeks. Yeah, you're gonna so. To go pick him up, you're going to send a ship into what, to all intents and purposes at this point, is hostile territory to go pick him back up. Yeah, but the Federation isn't treating it like hostile. No, still, no. Even though the Dominion, like, let's be honest here, the whole premise of them even being in the Gamma Quadrant again here, exploring somewhere, the Dominion have already told them, this is our territory, you are not welcome here, stay out. I know. I mean, we've uh, this comes we've back talked to the about that. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I I do think they could have rewritten it a little bit for the Federation to be like, right, well, we're going to go actively challenge the Dominion because they're oppressing people. But that isn't what happens. That's not no. what triggers the the war. Really, it's the Federation going. We want to explore. Well, you yeah. can't because this is our territory. Yeah, we don't care. There could be coffee in that, that there nebula. That's it. You see, Janeway had a bar yeah, it, it's, like, it, it's what the Federation does, though, in fear. I think that's what this is studying. So, like, the Federation are definitely scared of the Dominion. Mm-hmm. They're already feeling the kind of, like, um, losses they've already scored even before any war kind of breaks out. And I think they want to keep on exploring this region. But it's like, it's like, um, sorry, but I'm going to use the uh, metaphor of the war in Ukraine. Like, you know, we're all saying that how bad it is, but no country wants to go in because they're scared what Russia will do next. And it feels like that's exactly what's happening with the Federation here. They mm. want to intervene. They're condemning the um, the Dominion, but they know that they might not be able to win a war, yeah, or at least it will be very costly to, to wage a war. This is the first... to be. But let's be fair here. This is the first evidence of the Dominion actually doing anything to the citizens in the Dominion. Well, it's the first it, time we've seen it up close. Yeah, I mean, this the, is the first evidence that the Federation is seen. We've heard rumours said 
We've mm. heard hearsay by other species, but this is the first time we've actually seen something. Well, I mean, in all fairness, the Dominion have never really denied it. Though. Like, you know, anything that's been said against them, they've never denied that that's... No, there. they haven't, but it's all been hearsay still. Yeah, but if, like, they were there going, it's like, well, we didn't do that. Well, I don't know what they're talking about. Then you've got more of a hearsay situation. If one part is going, they do all this evil shit, and they're going, meh. <laughs> you know, yeah, which is pretty much the the founders' attitude, isn't it? They just go, yeah, well, we don't like solids. Well, exactly. So if they if they denied any of it, then I'd understand. But I I think that disempowers the argument of the fact that they're kind of basically accepting that's what they've done. And you could also argue, I know we're the Gemadar a part of the Dominion, but then it, it, it you know the Gemadar were made by the Dominion, so it's not a world that's been oppressed by them. But that is a species that, that they have essentially bred a slave species. Well, two slave species because well, you got the Vorta as well. Well, the like it's it's never properly confirmed, is it, in, in the series? But it's being done in books and fan fiction that both of them were other species that have been genetically modified to what they mm. are. But you've, yeah, you've got, probably got to look at this is actually some some planet's population at some point has been genetically altered and yeah so taken that's, over. yeah that's evidence of oppression that they've done that to other species and yeah. anyway like, somehow you've got to have something how you're genetically growing the, yeah. the Gemadar like you you've based that on there's got to be some something where you you're breeding them in some way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just uh, again, for me, it's just the fact they can they confess the fact they've done all these things. It's like, yeah, it's like I mean, yeah. we found we couldn't find uh, trust solids, so we've just tried to eliminate them from the uh, from the equation or <laughs> enslave them. Yeah, but we kind of need that, them. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I love the resolution of this storyline that we don't get the typical Star Trek, the brilliant doctors found a cure and everyone lives happily ever after. Instead, we get he can't save them, but he can save the children. He can he can save, he can save the next generation. Yeah, pardon, uh, pardon uh, the pun, uh, but, uh, but uh, absolutely that's what it is. And I find that really moving as a resolution to the episode. Well... Like they they really are intrepid voyages in deep space. To be like to be fair, I know that he wants to save all the population and give them a cure and there you're all better. But he does he has found a cure of sorts, he's found well, yeah. a vaccine yeah, to yeah. the disease. Within a couple of generations it will be with, eradicated. Within, yeah, within two well, probably within two generations it'll be gone because they die so young. But to Jim's point, I mean I love the fact that again it's a more complicated ending. It's like He's cured it for the future, but some people will die. That seems more real world. And but I also love that kind of coda at the end where you've got him when Cisco comes in and he's working on a cure for those people who are still dying. Because otherwise, I also know other kind of instances of Star Trek where they just end things. It's like what happened to those other people who are dying? You know, it, it, it really is very. It 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 really um, covers everything in this episode. I well, love at the end that, that well, I think, the I honestly cure. think Bashir is being too hard on himself at the end because oh, he, yeah, has of course he is a vaccine yeah. that is good to I know it's gonna die but he has point where in the future this blight will no longer exist but I, I think it works the character a lot better that A he's talking himself over it because he's been 
shown to yeah. be that guy, but also the fact that he's still working for a cure. Because again, any pretty much Star Trek main character I can think of, most of them, well, certainly the Starfleet ones, let's put it that way. I think the Starfleet ones would always be trying to look to, to save the people who are still dying there. And I think yeah. the fact they showed that just that little yeah. scene was a, a good little ad. It was and nice. I think, again, that plays into when we do find out he's genetically enhanced. That gives even more impetus to it that we know he's got this superior intelligence and he's not been able to solve this puzzle. And so he must hold himself to higher standards than he would expect anyone else to. So I think that that does tie in. And that is the good thing about the whole Bashir twist, which we will get to eventually. Um, But... It isn't one of those where you look back and go, well, that doesn't work. It it explains a lot of his behaviour, and I don't think it was intentional, but I think it's one of them where mm-hmm. it fits nicely and it actually does work. Yeah. So shall we move on then to the season finale, Broken Link? Which Can I just say, before you watch you the season can. finale, that I think you should watch the, the episode 25... Just because you will see episode twenty five again in season in episode one of season five. In what way? Oh, you get, t- name the episode. Sorry, uh, uh, say twenty five. Well, uh, it's the one where uh, Kira gets uh, Keiko's baby. Oh yeah, yeah. And then the next, the uh, oh, what's the next episode? Apocalypse Rising. Apocalypse Rising, which we're going to cover next week. You think that? Where Kira gets pregnant. All right, yeah. You will, you will see a scene that's repeated. Oh, okay. May I also throw out, the scene where Kira gets pregnant isn't as sexy as it might sound. <laughs> no. No, no, that's very true. Um. So, yeah, the... What I want to say about this episode, first of all, though, is I feel like this really subverts your expectations because by this point, DS9, season two finale, the Jemadar was a huge, spectacular episode. The adversary at the end of season three was a bit more restrained, but was still quite an action-packed episode. And Way of the Warrior obviously started this season off, and then we got Homefront and Paradise Lost, and we've had episodes like To the Death. And whereas this is quite a low-key finale, it's more of a character finale, and it, it does set a lot of things up. But it, yeah. it, I remember at the time it wasn't what I was expecting. I still enjoyed it and do enjoy it. I, ju- I just thought it was worth calling out that it, it's not quite what you would expect from a season finale at this point in the show's run. Well, I, I, you see, I love these kind of dialogue-heavy, kind of really oh, too, yeah. um, character-driven episodes, which, you know, I know don't have the bizarres of a kind of big shoot 'em up and everything in space. They're, they're always glorious to see, but I just love that. It's so dense with character moments that. for Odo. It's really nicely. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, you don't? So it starts with, and this is what you were talking about, Squee, a character who should know better, which is Garak trying to set up Odo basically with this Bajoran woman. I I just like the symmetry of, I'm going to shoot my own theory out of the water. Yeah, he should know better, but Garak's a little wag. He would do this. Oh, yeah, I can absolutely (laughs) see. I I think... 
Garrick I'll give it up here. He fancies him. And Garrick will take great pleasure in winding order up. Or he'll take great... I think Garrick will take great pleasure, actually. Not in winding order up, but watching Odo being comfortable around her. I think well, he will, but I think he's genuine. He genuinely does want him to be happy, and he does hope he'll. Like, That's what I was going to say. I do yeah. think yeah. there's. Garrick is a really complicated character. Yeah, but I, I do <laughs> think there's a degree of friendship and kindness here, and I think after what happened in season three, um, yeah. with the the two part of there. And also, they, they do have a lot of similarities, like they're both cut off from their own people and they're both living on this station. And I think Garak, in, in his own way, is trying to be a little bit nice, but... I think, I think he's like... Try, I agree with you, he's trying to be a bit, little bit nice, but I also think Garak will take a lot of pleasure in watching Nodo being... Yes, that's what I was going to say. I think <laughs> the <laughs> fact that he's trying to do a good deed doesn't mean he won't enjoy Odo squirming a little bit. So. Yeah, God, yeah, I mean, I, I, and again, it, it, it is just kind of funny that both these are... Characters doing something a little bit naughty they should know better, and it's, it's funny both episodes. Yeah, funny that we, that. I know what you mean. Yeah, funny that yeah. we covered them in the both set in our yeah. same episode. And yeah. the, so Odo has this funny turn <laughs> where he's not able to hold his shit properly and everything. And Bashir sort of gives him a diagnosis and says, Oh, your mass and density are all over the place, and which this does cause continuity problem which have always been there with Odo because it you know it's a it's a constant in the universe that you can't change mass uh you know it, and Odo has turned into a little rat and he's turned into like a coffee cup that was on a table <laughs> and so Odo should weigh the ah. same whether he's a little tiny cup yeah. or whether he's Odo size yeah yeah, because if he's a cup, you could explain away the size difference by making you know denser. Exactly. Yeah, 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 the, the gaps yeah. between his atoms are less, and but he and Bashir now confirms. Oh yes, your mass and density is always the same, and it's like yeah, well that means they shouldn't have been able to pick him up when there were things that that should have weighed the same. Unless Odo just weighs bugger all as a. Or, or, well, I've I've got a space magic argument actually, right. They can change between different forms. So sometimes they're they're uh, creatures who can fly. Maybe when they change form, they can levitate. They they, they can make it, it appear lighter, even though they're the same weight. I've got a better answer. Mm -hmm. When they change shape, mm -hmm. if they change into something massive, they pull extra mass out of a pocket universe. Yeah. If they go into something smaller, they put excess mass into the pocket universe. The shapeshifters have their own personal pocket universe. Yeah, they're, and they're, and they're part dark matter. That explains I think it. that is the, the pocket universe theory is the only one that <laughs> legitimately can explain it all. But the way you describe the pocket universe, it sort of um, goes into the thing of dark matter because they say that dark matter appears and disappears mm -hmm. seemingly in our universe and that does kind of question that rationale of like energy can't be just disappeared like that yeah but they reckon it's dark matter slipping into another dimension yeah is That's a it. serious so yeah you've just explained it right with dark there matter we go. the science it's of the, deep the, space <laughs> nine retreat presents the science of deep space nine there we go oh, 
what? Someone see, tell NASA right now, don't fuck with dark matter, it's changelings. Well, we should have told them that. Like when they did that whole large hedron collider thing and they said, well, there is a 0.001% chance that it'll destroy the entire universe. Like, don't fucking do it. I I know it's a very small (laughs) chance, but no, I'm sorry. Anyway, we all survived it. (laughs) Their argument there was like, uh, because... Um, atoms like this passing by each other naturally happen every day or all throughout the universe. It's like, yeah, so don't do one on purpose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's naturally happening. Right now, we can't affect that. Yeah, don't don't add to it. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so Gowron's getting more territory and it's this thing of, well, it was Klingon territory, but then it wasn't and now he's... He, so basically, Gowron's saber rattling is what's going on, and he's also saying there was literally there was one bit where he goes like, uh, "This is now Klingon territory, and it wasn't previously." There's one bit yeah. where he says, "Like it, now we yeah. spent all this blood capturing it. It's it Klingon territory. It's the Arconus system. Yeah. And the Klingons had given up the territory claims on it a hundred years ago. Yeah. Oh, now okay. They're claiming, now they're claiming that." No, it's always been. It was that. So yeah, he's just Christ again. Russian war parallels. I'm sorry, but there is absolutely. We've held the ceremony, so now it is part of our empire. So if you invade it, you're the invaders. And that is what he's doing. He's just basically spoiling for a fight, effectively. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, is is someone else? Or is someone indeed? Spoiler, someone else's. Can someone just go to the Kremlin and just check for cop- old copies on VHS of DS9 and just take them? Yeah, if he's got- and we'll go do, like, low-power low power phaser scans all over them. I mean, God, can you yeah, imagine? That was, a, that was a spoiler for next week. Yeah, well, we're assuming people have seen DS9. I thought you were on spoiler um, sneezing all over the place. I, li- I like that as a little detail that they go, okay, well... Pregnant Bajorans don't have the same side effects yeah. as pregnant humans. Like, it's not morning sickness, it's oh. constant sneezing. And I just like little details like that. I, I do love the little details, but I also I like the fact that, when um, they give an explanation, which is just totally unneeded, like, we all get it from what they they put on the screen. And still, they've got Kira going, it's like, well, human women are sick. We sneeze. Oh, thanks for explaining that. Mm-hmm. Because, like, everyone in that room would, would know that already. Like, I'm, trying to work out, get it. <laughs> I'm trying to work out the time here because I can't remember the name, name of the last episode where Kira became pregnant, took over Keiko's baby. But it said that Bajoran women are only pregnant for five months. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that they do this when Kira's four months pregnant while they've done that. Mm-hmm. So, which would mean that she'd have a baby between seasons. Yes, but that's not what happens. No, so how does it end up that she's still pregnant through I've seasons? I've got five? an answer for do you. you think she put the, you think the, do you think <laughs> they messed up with the timings? And no, then no, made no, a I, cushion because she'd actually had a baby. No, I've, I've legitimately got an answer for you. Hang on, I'm just doing the maths okay. of it now. Um, so that would be right. So then, if what? we divide that, where's your okay? So B- Bajor has twenty six hours in a day, 
So if yeah. Bajoran was pregnant for five months, they would actually be pregnant for five and a half human months. Okay. So there you go. So that's why it's a bit longer. I mean, I think okay, it goes so, a bit over that, but, but like. But surely at that point, she should have had the baby before the start of season five. Uh, well, what you don't know because there was a six month gap. Elliot, Elliot, Elliot. I'm sorry, Cameron, you're missing the simple, obvious explanation that where human pregnancies can only go so much over, assurance, even though they're only short time, they can go bloody months over. Yeah, they yeah, can be the, yeah <laughs> the average is, you know, it's no, a five-month no, pregnancy, but no I'm, one I'm, ever has that. I was quite, I was quite <laughs> serious. If the, if the no, I know what you mean. Because they know she was really pregnant. So I... And it's like, oh, they've done this because she's really pregnant and she's so long, far along, so they've done this. And they've written in, yes, yeah, she's got five months to go. Oh, but we've got a six-month break now. But so I, when the kids are fighting, because they forgot about that. No, but with <laughs> I don't think there is a six-month break in DS9 time, is there? Because it, it picks up pretty much straight away, doesn't no, it? No, 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 it's not straight away. They talk about... No, they do say in the um, in the um, premiere of the next series, they do mention that there's been a time they've been doing sweeps for months. Oh, okay. There are several lines of dialogue which yeah. do mention the time. Fair period. enough. But it's funny. It's <clears throat> funny, really, because they put in this line of five months, which they had no reason they had to do, and they forced that. Whereas I think, um, oh, this sneezing is not like morning sickness. No. Feels like a studio note. No, sorry, it seems like a studio note that someone's chucked in. Oh, well, you better explain it so people at home can understand this very fucking simple premise. Whereas the five-month thing, they didn't have to do well, it for any reason. It makes me wonder, though, like in British soap operas, if you want to show that a female character is pregnant, you have them being sick because no one is ever sick and no female character oh, wow. is ever sick in a TV show unless they're pregnant. So in Bajoran TV shows, do you have like a woman going "hoo and you're like "oh," and that's how yeah. In um, it was in Frasier because their Jane Leaves got pregnant um in one series as Daphne. They had her just being fat, like she'd gone yeah, into yeah. addiction. Yeah, and it, was, it was actually really well written. I mean, she was clearly pregnant, but it was really yeah. well written to around That's pressure. That's just Niles was more and more and more and more. <laughs> but because Niles idealised her, it was her kind of like yeah. um, feeling pressure from that. It was actually really well written. It was just a very original. It was a very original kind of like take on it, and uh, also from the Paramount lot. So it does tangentially link. Of course. Um, so, Odo, Kira brings in the crime report, which is a nice little moment between the two of them. So it's like Kira's oh, the one who understands him. And the woman that he goes after, she's actually like a recurring guest star. So we've seen her two or three times before, which I, I just like that DS9 always did that. You I are. couldn't think where we'd seen her. Uh, I think she I would, couldn't see, think which episode. She was one in. of the smugglers in that three-parter at the start of season two, the homecoming, the circle, the siege, and I believe it was her yeah. who sold Quark the Jemadar baby in the abandoned. Right. And I, I don't know if this is the last time we see her. Um, I mean, let's let's just face it. Star Trek's got a very big history of having reoccurring characters. Right back to the original series, they had several reoccurring people. Yeah, yeah. And like they they weren't afraid to build up characters like like O'Brien is the chief case of that background. Like a, a one line in the pilot episode, and he becomes the main character. Yeah. 
becomes the best uh, staff fleet on yeah. ever. <laughs> and, and I will hope, well, maybe Scotty, but like that's the only argument I'll hear. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we still need to know how Chief O'Brien ends up as the great. I'm sure Lower Decks will shed light on it at some point. Um, Lower Decks has got to. <clears throat> then we get this thing of we're going to go see the founders. And this is where DS9 has got to the point now where they're just like, you know what? We love Garak. We love Andrew Robinson. We want him in the season finale. Let's make up an excuse. And it is. It's a very (laughs) thin excuse. I I thought this was beautifully done. I really loved that. I thought it was well put. When you know about... When you look at like oh which what are the names of that two part where they attack the founders, the improbable cause dies cast. Yeah, because in there it's established that he's um, an Abrantan's son. No, it's not until the next next Isn't time it? we see Abrantan. Yeah, no, that's well, later. There's a, lot of talk, there's a lot of sort of things there, but when you know that he's an Abrantan's son. It actually isn't a flimsy excuse for him to go no. on this mission. I, I, no, no, I, I don't think it was anyway, because all throughout Deep Space Nine up to this point, Garrick has been laden with uh, innuendo about his past, like your yeah. suggestion. Also, like, yeah, we know that he's got some genuine link, and we know Odo, actually based on your mention before, Jim, of um, Kira, she mm-hmm. knows what he needs as distraction, so it kind of lays the groundwork with Yeah. I just feel I like Cisco good. lets it go a little bit too easily. It's kind of like the show wants Garak to be there. So, yeah, so he's going to be. Yeah, I also, though, Cisco, look, if you look at his history and his certainly his future in these series, he is shown to be a little bit manipulative. So it's like, okay, if you want this, I want this. Like he's already made true. a deal in the first episode with Quark, with Quark, Quark to keep him on yeah. there. And I'm here he is say, doing the same. I'm locked yeah. up with your nephew and he's staying locked up for umpteen years unless you keep your bar open. Yeah. And also, if you if you look, and I don't know how much they had of this plot in advance, but I doubt they probably had this yet. But if you look at everything that happens with uh, Garrick, it foreshadows so much stuff with um, how Kardash is used by the uh, by the uh, founders, which I'll bring up as it well. comes up in the episode. I think she comes yeah. out with a great line to win. Oh, yeah, we'll save that. We'll save that because that's <laughs> gold. I think feel like we've got to save that for that there's, moment. There's a lovely scene where Quack's kind of saying goodbye to Odo. And it, it's this whole thing of they won't admit that they're actually best mates. <laughs> but Well, it, it, this is very much what um, Voyager tried to do with two rocket Neelix as well. Yeah, they tried to do the same. They tried to do the same chemistry. Mm that Odo and yeah. Quark have got that the dot that the really good friends deep down. And they never quite nailed it. Yeah, I mean DS9 had it to a T. Yeah. Oh god yeah like there was this, this with Quark is brilliant where he's going, Oh I'm gonna get away with so much while you're gone and I'm gonna do this. You're not coming back, are you? Oh and it's and like you know it's guarding him to get better. Yeah, absolutely. You, you got this episode, the one where they're climbing up a mountain, of course, in the finale, one of the best lines which Kark ever has is that final one. It's like, uh, that guy loves me. It was written all over his back. Yeah. That is their relationship <laughs> yeah. in one line. They love each other, but it's like the odd couple. Like, I, I, I remember. They love each other through arguments. I was talking about that, uh, the finale with my cousin, 
And um, I told him that when Quark says that, Odo's actually written the words that he loves him on his back using his shape-shifting powers. And so I got him to, like, sit there pausing VHS trying to read it. That's so mean. That's so mean. No, you don't know his cousin. He deserves it. <laughs> is that why he's never made it on And I'm not even checking it back if he's watching, and he never will watch. <laughs> That's a fair point. Um, so, yeah, we find out Garak was a gardener on Romulus, and that's all good fun. Where, oh, well, many Romulan dignitaries died. Yeah, I like it. I, my speciality was growing so and so's orchid. Beautiful, highly poisonous. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> even in a throwaway line where he's going, it's like, uh, Oh, the uh, the changes on the bridge. I must come. It's like, wait a minute. But if you were there when this person was there, it's like, oh, you're getting closer. Anyway, I must go to the bridge. It's like, just he's still playing it. Even yeah, though yeah. He's got all the stakes in the world about his people. Well, I believe Garrett would still stop for the. Oh, you're getting well, closer just to wind him well, up a little bit more. Like Andrew Robinson wrote the uh, the Garrett mm. book, didn't he? A stitching yeah, yeah. time, and he never read it. If, if you are, oh, if you haven't read it. A stitch in time is amazing. If you haven't read it, I will lend you my copy because it costs a fortune on the second-hand markets. It's currently out of print. How can you, did they ever release an audio book? They, they are audio. doing. And Andrew Robinson is working on an audio book at the minute oh, of him reading it. Because usually, especially if the actor writes it themselves, it was almost guaranteed an audio book back in the day, and that was one of the few exceptions, and I didn't think they'd ever done it. No, they, it but, is coming, but I don't know if it, they're going to put the book back in print. Because it goes into all this, and, he, and I, can't, I have read the book, but I can't remember the exact... I can't remember exactly. ...who he, who he killed yeah. and who he didn't kill, but it goes into who he, who he, who he actually killed on yeah. Romulus. No, no, I mean, thank you, James, but I, I wouldn't, I'd feel too worried, like, having that book, if it's kind of worth a book. Well, yeah, Elliot's I, I already lent it. It's, it's not in any fit state to resell. I've read it, <laughs> Elliot's read it. I've had it in a cupboard for 20 years, so honestly, not an issue. <laughs> I, I'll wait for the, if the audio book's coming The audio book will be awesome, yeah. Um, so the Dominion turn up then, and they're going to take... Um, to a new home world, they decide. You missed a little bit, which I think is really nice. Oh, I'm sorry I've missed a little bit. When they first leave DS9 and uh, you get O'Brien going, you know, I've served on six starships previously. This is the first one with a cloak. But I feel naked now we've not got it on. And they're all going on about how they feel undressed and all that, and Dax just starts laughing. Yeah, and Dax. Mom being in this room with all these naked men. And there's also which, the bit. Which, firstly, I, I suspect, like, and I'm not, I'm not slut shaming or anything else, but I suspect with with Dax from everything, the way she's presented, the way that she acts in every scene. I'm sorry, I think that's a lie. I think she's been in a room with just that many naked men before. <laughs> Quite <laughs> right possibly, but else. not those specific naked men. So, you know, it might just be. I, I do also okay. enjoy the bit where O'Brien's bitching about Keiko and Kira and they're all winding him up. And it's it's a great thing of they're on the way to do something very serious. They're in enemy territory, but they can still shoot the shit about O'Brien and his complicated family situation at the moment. <laughs> yeah, also, I just, yeah, it, it's... It's that moment when Dax, whenever Dax does a line like that, I mean, it doesn't hurt that Terry Farrell is hot as hell, but Jesus Christ, like, uh, she is so sexy in kind of, um, in every scene. 
It's just, it's so well played, so well written. It doesn't seem to kind of like, for the time, there were so many bad attitudes around slut shaming, which I kind of, I know, joked about, but it's like, Facebook I'm really telling the site. Oh, it's on Audible already. I knew they were working on it. Hey, I just got an email for two free audio books, so I know what one of them's going to be. By the way, uh, that's Jody. Jody, for Christ's sake, give permissions to Facebook. Every week you comment, just give them permissions. They're not going to hack your details. <laughs> Stream yard. Um, yeah, no, I just, just generally, I think um, it's it's really good for the time the way Dax is written to not be. It never sells her out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Very much until they completely sell tell out the actor, but that's another story. That is another story, and it's a story that we still don't know the full details of, so we'll um, mm. we'll shy away from that one. Um, so the Dominion then are going to take them to the new homeworld, and they do this back in the main screen. Up, there's just this whole so thing. They also put a, a I know they do. But I, I find it funny that the special box that stops you thing also turns the main view screen off as if it, it, <laughs> as if it's actually a window, and that you know. And it's the fact that it scrambles it as well. It's not, you could have just turned it off or you could have just put a screensaver on. It should have just been a screensaver of like the female changeling, like going like that or something. And that would have covered it. Okay, very quickly, Jody, I don't know how. There is there is advice in the little um, thing below. It There's says, a little Gives thing you, you have to click on the thing. And then it's we'll all- actually see you then. Um,. Yeah, so the female changeling revives Odo a little bit, and knowing what we know now, this is actually the point at which he condemns the entire race to death. Yeah. Have we had the Garrick second bit? Yeah, the last bit with Garrick. No, yeah, no, no. No, the last bit, sorry, the bit where he talks to the founder. No, not yet. Because she makes him better, doesn't she, before she gets everyone out of the room. Yeah, but it's, it's the fact that she's linked with him here and we know he's got the virus from when he went to Starfleet earlier in the season. So this is it. This is the moment. This is the moment. That's the founders doomed and ultimately what will bring about the end of the war. If only they'd have known, they could have just like called the ceasefire here and gone, okay, well, you're all going to die of this virus unless Odo comes back. So Odo can come back. Uh, oh no, but Bashir, they haven't found the cure yet and they don't know about Section 31, so that wouldn't work. Ignore me. Let's have uh, three more seasons at least. Also, isn't it kind of ironic? They they give him this disease to make him come back, which is what dooms them. There's so yeah, many lovely they've given him a disease to get him there, and he's given, unbeknown, unbeknownst to them, he's giving them a disease as well yeah, at this point. There's yeah. a lot of diseases going on. Well, also, the, the solution. Sorry, we haven't got there. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah, get to that. We'll, we'll hold, hold it. So yeah, Garrick. No, no, then. I, know, I mean, I meant the solution in this episode, but we'll get there. Uh, Gar- yeah, Garrick. Garrick and the changeling. Then, so this is where Garrick's asking about the Cardassian survivors, and he delivers that oh, they're all dead, which is brilliant. They're no, dead. But- You're dead. The Cardassians oh, are dead. The second dead. that you did, brilliant. Just such a beautiful moment, and it also. But- Again, if you think about what happens to them in the end, mm. the Kardashians do end up almost being killed by them because yeah. of the Alliance. Yeah. Whereas, like, so now when you look at those scenes of the Alliance, like, I never thought of this before, but now when I look at those scenes, all I'll think about is her saying that. It's like, even when they're bringing them in as some strange bedfellows, 
you know that like she is planning to yeah she won't kill it she's already decided that they are a doomed race i mean don't get me wrong i've always seen them as expendable to the uh, (coughs) sorry the kardashians to the um to the dominion but this, like, if you think of this scene, not only are they expendable, she actively wants them dead at the end of this. Yeah. Like, you know, like, if, if it had played differently, they would have helped them win the war and then they would have killed them. Oh, yeah. The Cardassians were and, not like, going to get out well of this at all. This explains why when we get to, is it in season six, where we have uh, in Purgatory's shadow, mm-hmm. and we find in Newburn Town again that he is alive. She hasn't been lying here about all of them dead. She just seen, she just sees their entire race as dead. Yeah, she's talking yeah, exactly, yeah. metaphorically here. Yeah. So, yeah, from a certain she's point of view, everything she yeah. tells Garak here is true. Well, yeah. that's the thing. It's like the, the metaphor, like we think she's been metaphorical about everything apart from that party being dead, but that's metaphorical in a way as well. Yeah, they, there are yeah, actually survivors. They're all dead. But I it's like, um, dead. I, I guess when I saw the end of the war, I kind of always pictured it as like, um, basically, yeah, the Kardashians would have been enslaved if they had stuck with the Alliance. They would have been like, but, but no, I think she would have, watching this episode back, I have no doubt in my mind she would have slaughtered them all the retroactively here, for the insult. Yeah, yeah. The ironic thing here is at this point, Garrick will know what the Federation knows about the planet from the quickening, mm-hmm. of how the Dominion deals with species that it's not happy with. mm it's now being told to you in the Founder's eyes, all of Kardashian is dead. Mm-hmm. But he is not part... The Kardashians have shunned him, ex- exiled him, not listened to his counsel, so they've jumped in bed with the Dominion, who are going to... who are, Whatever they do, have already decided that they are going to commit genocide on them. And yeah. I think also, you, you've got a... It, it was the reaction by Garrick, Andrew Robinson. This was such a brilliant choice. I don't know if it was him, the director, or a joint decision, or the writers, whatever. But it's when, as opposed to like just looking in shock as she walks on, he kind of smiles and bows to her. And that is such a Garrick fuck you kind of like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to let you see me upset by this, even though it's got to be breaking him on well, the inside. Well, well we Garrick... see it's breaking him on the inside because of what he does next. Mm. I think he always plans funny. to do that, though. No, but I think well, it did break Garrick him. Like I think he would have been. I think he maybe would have been a bit more careful about it if he hadn't. If maybe. It wasn't that, I think he might have got away with it if he wasn't acting a little bit more impulsively because he's so hurt by it. But anyway, like that's here or there. Sorry. Like I, no, I was just wondering if Gareth like had intended to do what he tried to do, but he was. But if he's clever enough to realise when she says all of Kardashian is dead, that he reads straight away that. She's not talking about if they survived or not. She's just decided that they're going to wipe out our species. She's not actually answering his question about what happened to the fleet. Yeah, I wonder. Thank you. Because we are getting to the bit now where Garak's trying to sabotage it to blow them all up and everything. I do wonder if that were in the back of Cisco's head that he thought, well, maybe Garak will actually destroy all the founders and we can say, well, he sabotaged it. It's not our fault. Well, um, I don't think that would wash. I don't think he, he did. Maybe I don't not, think Cisco's but... I, do, I think series six or seven Cisco might have done it. Series mm. four or five Cisco, I don't think yeah. he's there yet. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, but it was the fight between uh, Garrick and Wolf. I thought was again, it's just really, yeah, really good. well judged. I love the fact that they let Garrick get some punches in first. Like, if he's that clever, if he survived all that much, as well as his brains, he's got to have a little bit of muscle. Yeah, he's, he's got to be a little bit handy as Garrick. I like the fact that. There was a point where he almost beat Wolf. Exactly. Like I think they're well matched. As a, like mm, yeah. he doesn't look like it. He's not. He doesn't advertise himself as a warrior. He's highly trained. Exactly. And, he's and, a, like, and even and Wolf, Wolf knows that he's probably a spy, and he's not a tailor really. Because Wolf, oh, goes, yeah, everyone like, knows well that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so, him being yeah, sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. Taylor wouldn't be able to put up a fight against me. But that's different between that's the difference between the warrior race, the Klingons, and the Kardashians, who are all about subterfuge and stuff. That mm-hmm. whole race, but especially their spies. So he, I bet every night, like uh, Garrick's practicing his moves and everything in his quarters. Yeah. Oh yeah, quiet as a mouse, and so no one can hear it. He'll, and he'll that, have again, a, he'll have an exercise routine that no one will notice. Is an exercise routine. It'll be something like. He's like, yeah, he's like, like, he's Mr. Miyagi. He's like Mr. Miyagi. He's karate yeah. kid again. He, he's iron is probably super heavy metal <laughs> and all yeah. that. So, he's, and he's working out by ironing stuff and stuff, so no one realizes how he's keeping in shape. But Shea one day comes to his like uh, a tailor shop, the door's shut, and he's he's cleaning. He goes, but 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 Carrick, you know that the uh, station can automatically clean itself. It's like no, I'm just putting the wax on, the wax off. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I just like the personal touch. <laughs> and then I, I decided I like the idea that he's got a heavy metal iron that he trains. Yeah, with. that's good too. Yeah, he's, he's got everything. He's, he's got, got lots going on there. Like, absolutely. He's a and what he'd have to play and with. When he's measuring like, people, he does like a full stretch. They're like, oh, my legs don't go up that eyes. <laughs> It's like it's like everyone else just sees a tailor shop. He's just seeing a gym. Yeah. <laughs> so the planet then. First of all, I feel like this is an upgrade from the one we saw in the search. I love that it's just an ocean. The whole planet looks to be the Great Link this time, which I think is cool. Yeah. Uh, apart from a little rock, which I wonder if that's an actual natural formation or whether we've gone Steve turning more rock. I, I, I was no no Steve's in the Great Link. I was wondering. Have they been stood on changelings all along? Yeah, that's... No, I don't think so, because I think the way they've explained it is every changeling's got to be in the link. Like, not that they've got to be, but it's like, I don't think they'd leave someone out for human comfort. They would tell them to stay on the ship. I think there's yeah. a rock, and they just didn't well, submerge. Well, she, tra- she did say to stay on the ship, just so in order to yeah. down. The, the only thing I will and say... I think, you- I think for diplomatic reasons, she, when they said, we're coming with you, she went, well... You could be waiting for days. That the only thing something was done, and you probably don't have to have all of a changeling. So they could all probably have a hand as a bit of. That's rock. true. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say the only thing I will say, which to me is like, um, fuck, fuck you guys, fuck the rights for this one little bit. It's when Bashir, and even like, I'm sorry, I love Alexander Siddiq, but this is. Awful acting in this scene because he's given an awful thing to, to work with. He's meant to forget that this is a pool of, hu- of uh, yeah. human or like of beings, and he goes to skim a rock, and then he goes, 
like the director should be fired like the mm. writers even though the rest of this episode is perfect should be fired just for that scene <laughs> what like, should have happened so is like a big changeling hand should have come out and give him a slap yeah, that <laughs> like, don't even that think yeah. about it maybe make it green at the same time if it's going to be a big hand yeah but again I, I don't know if maybe this was a studio note or something but like the way he overplays that scene it's just what the fuck man I'm sorry you should like, have asked him it, it, it's an interesting no, no I'm not that very like when you think about it this episode is all about a medical emergency with Waldo mm-hmm but Bashir has very little to do with it. Well, yeah, because it's all—it's all other characters doing stuff around. Yeah, Waldo. because Bashir's got no clue. Um, yeah, so when he gets spat back out, then, and we found out they've made him into a human. Firstly, why a human? Why not a Bajoran? Because that's where Odo's the. Just never understood it's simple, that, it's, it's, really. It's easier with a face, which apparently, over the years, he n- never gets Yeah, but they better. leave him with his old face, so it's well, not... that's the thing. I which really wish... Also, which I think is also established as the face of Changeling generally. And it, not just by the female Changeling, but he also says they left me with this face to remind me that I was a Changeling. Yeah, true. Oh, that makes sense. I like that. I just... I. They've always been so inconsistent with Odo's look, like because like in the first series he's got more features and then they kind of use makeup, yeah. blend them in more. And then when they do flashbacks, he looks like he does now, as opposed to like uh, they it's, did some. It's because the makeup just, got better, wasn't it? As it as it went along, you know. But but yeah, it don't make wish, sense I, with I flashbacks. Wish, if anything, I wish every series he'd got one like just a little bit extra feature because he's meant it. He, yeah, he can turn into a bird easy enough, but. Human that was always the silly way. thing, wasn't it? Oh, I can't yeah, do humans, I can't but do I can, well, I can do a bird with feathers and different colours and, yeah. yeah. Um, there's also this deliberate sort of call-out to... I'll forget the name of the painting. Is it The Creation of Man or something? The, the famous painting where you've got the Adam's hand reaching I up and so. God's hand re- reaching down. And they sort of recreate this with Odo and the female changeling when he's lying on the thing when he's just come out. Ah. And I'm not sure quite where it's getting at because the metaphor doesn't work perfectly, but, yeah, it's a nice visual. I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. Have a watch again. Um, The founders do consider themselves gods. They do, that's true. And in a way, they have just made Odo, they've made this new Odo that's a a human, so... And we have Which to is also why she sent the Jemadar out of the room when she was talking to Odo, because we were talking about a changeling being killed. Mm. And you've also got to throw in there the fact that um, they've they've talked uh, quite a lot about the Great Link and what means to them and how kind of like whenever a part of it's missing, it hurts mm-hmm. them. It's like kind of a limb. So to choose to do this is actually a real, you know, if you add that context to it, it's a real... Yeah, they're, they're effectively they're well. effectively cutting off a part of their body. Yeah, like essentially, yeah, it, it is, yeah. it's biblical. Sorry, just very quickly, Elliot, it's biblical because you were saying about like the creation kind of thing, but it's biblical because it goes like if your hand offend, offends you, cut it off, or there's something like that in the Bible. So yeah, there's, yeah, there's and also um, Eve was created from Adam's rib, so. Odo's been created from the, this new Odo's been created from the Great Link. Yeah. 
It's like yeah. this. I think like this is quite harsh though of the founders because the other changeling was trying to kill Odo at the same time. No, that's, but he doesn't count it that way. The way Odo describes it, it was he was trying to kill my friends, and that's why I did it. And they're saying, so you chose the the. No, but no, but. Yeah, they were fighting, but we don't know if the other one would have killed him or whether he would have just yeah. incapacitated, in, incapacitated him or something. So incapacitated him on the ship he was about to blow up. Oh, good sure point, yeah, they were going to blow up the ship, yeah, good point. I, I would throw out, though, that for the founders, it's all about context. Firstly, he was the one who survived, so they've only got his word for it. Secondly, in his logs, yeah, as I'm sure they did, sorry, in his logs, as well as what they he said to the founders, the way he couched it himself was he chose the solids over them. Mm. And I think even if he said, even if he explained in minute detail what happened, if anywhere in that report it suggested they'd done that, which you know they've got all the reports, that's the bit where it's like, fuck you, I don't care. If he was about to kill you, you said you've chosen those solids well, over that's them. That's why they brought him into the Great Link for, for like days. Not just for judgment, but because they can read every thought he has. Yeah. Well, that's true, but yeah. they, they they can they know everything that he he has ever known as once is in that link. Yeah, but he didn't even hide it. He 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 said out front, "I chose the people in the station, yeah, or the people in the ship." Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it, as I say, it is quite low-key from this point until the very last scene because we get Odo back to the station, and there's a nice bit where Garak has to make him a suit this time. And Garak apparently gets six months in Nick for this, which is oh, not, not say, too bad. Because that was the only thing when, when Elliot... Season. <laughs> when Elliot... No, that's what I was going to say. Because what Elliot said earlier, when you were saying about uh, Kira and everything and the time doesn't work, I, I had thought about this scene and how perfect and this it was. Works perfect. Because they know, they know they're getting to the end of the series, so they can have six months yeah, in, true. in jail, and they yeah. don't have to lose any Garak episodes. Yeah. True. That, I thought, was a really clever writing trick. Yeah, you're right. So yes, you're right. Then the pregnancy doesn't work. You, but there we go. Because usually, usually in other episodes or every, yeah. other series, you've had several times when they've gone. It's like, oh, you'll be in the brig for months, and then the next episode they're just out and about, and it's never mentioned. True. Thought, was this six months later or three months later or however long they've said? Like, like, like you said in the next episode, Apocalypse Rising, they do say at the beginning for several months we've been doing stuff. So true. And I don't believe Garrett's even in the next episode, is it? I can't remember, but I mean, it no. is, it's, it's all about telling us right. Because, like, again, a lot of episodes either have to make two compromises. Either they have to go, oh, you're in the, the brig for months, and then next episode they're out. So you just, whatever, fudge it. Or they've got to say, oh, we'll give you a couple of weeks in the brig because we know you were right at heart. You know, they've got to make an excuse, which usually sounds false. So this yeah. is... Again, Jesus yeah, true. at the end of the series was a really nice, real stakes, but no real consequence for the writing. Like, and if it's pretty, like, I thought, I'd like to know what uh, Federation senten- sentencing is actually like, <laughs> attempted <laughs> genocide, <laughs> uh, attem- attempted uh, commandeering of a ship, so attempted sabotage, attempted genocide. Oh, six months. Six, six months. <laughs> slap on wrist. Let me throw something in. Right. Bit of community service. Make first. <laughs> but 
you've got to remember this is the snowflake hippie future federation <laughs> so like he was under a lot of mo uh, emotional distress he just found out all these people died of his pe i I, th I genuinely think the way they paint the federation which let's face it, it's very lefty i think they would have taken to kind of no, i think it's cisco's <laughs> pulled some strings and said look would oh, it have been too. would it have been the worst thing if it had killed them all probably yeah. not well, let's I let him off I, I think Cisco, like at this stage, as I say, this is earlier Cisco. I think he's got to lie to himself. The Federation have got to lie to themselves. They didn't kind of want him to win. So in open conversations, even though they're all thinking, yeah, but what if he won? Maybe that would be good. But I think in I open think, conversations, yeah. in open um, conversations, other than backroom conversations, I think they're all saying, it's like, oh, um, he's probably under some emotional distress. But you know, in their heads, they go, yeah, I kind of wish he'd done it. <laughs> but I think there's also the thing that, like, yeah, we all know he's only a tailor. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he won't be ever useful to us. That exactly, it, course, it's what the yeah. Federation might have said in open conversations, and what they find out is in their heart. I don't even think they realise the darkness that's in their heart of letting him go at this stage. I think they are genuinely rationaling to themselves that Probably, he was under emotional yeah. stress. Yeah. But in their back of their minds, you know they're thinking about using him later. And yeah. that's what comes out in Cisco is the kind of like metaphor for the Federation and what they'll do under pressure. And I think, yeah, that's already happening in their mind. So yeah. again, it's really kind of writing to have all that into it, really. And I don't know if they thought about all this, but it, it certainly plays with what happens next. And then yeah. uh, cliffhanger then... I think when we get to the limit, Cisco will go to Yes. That we should do an entire episode just on that. Oh, I'm sure episode. we will do when we oh, get to that episode. Pain Moon Knight is... Yeah. yeah. So the, we get to the cliffhanger then. So Odo's having these flashes of memories and we get this thing of Gowron just comes up on the news channel. And presumably that's what it is. Because it's been broadcast all over the promenade. Yeah. Yeah, which when you've got a, a, a foreign populace, you always broadcast no, a really scary thing. Absolutely, yeah, stick down on them. This is quite a popular thing in sci-fi, though, isn't it? That there's screens everywhere that do news, because you see it in not just Star Trek, but in lots of different movies. Yeah. It'll be on the screens and everyone watches the big news thing about the Klingons are, <laughs> are now at war with us. Because yeah. Because they've an accident, a corner's a cut. What would have been great is if Gowron had come and go, we are taking the Arcanus sector, and we have it, and then it had just gone, come to Quarks, Quarks is fun. <laughs> continuity, you say. Yeah, exactly, that would have been really good. Um, yeah, so, and yeah, effectively, what I, it took me a few viewings of this to realise is we've got two lots of dialogue going on at the same time. So we've got Odo's dialogue, which is sort of in the foreground, quite clear. And then you've got Gowron prattling on in the background. And effectively, you get two cliffhangers because you get Odo saying Gowron, the leader of the High Council, is a change. I mean, he takes his time to get to that revelation. It's like, yeah. Hey, uh, but then you've also got Gowron. So the last words you actually hear in the season are Gowron saying, if this doesn't happen, it will be war. And the first few times I watched it, I didn't even pick up on what Gowron was saying because what Odo's saying is foregrounded so much. But So you've got this, right, Gowron's a changeling and there's going to be a war. And what I also love about it is that we, we talked about when we did Way of the Warrior that it was a studio mandate that you've got to include the Klingons, blah, 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 blah. And what DS9 has done... 
Yeah, originally. What Dear Snang's done over the course of this season is say, okay, we're going to do the Klingons, but we are completely integrating that into the story we wanted to tell anyway. Yeah. We're not changing the nature of this show. Yes, the Klingons are going to be in it, but they're going to service our story. Not, It's not going to no. become the Klingons show. Klingons and I love show. that. And I love the, the fact that... Like DS9 had the balls to do that and just go. Like, no, yeah. I, remem- I remember when the, this was coming out the first time because we had Wave the Warrior and we knew that the studio had mandated all mm-hmm. this stuff, the Klingons. And there was all sorts of rumors coming about that there was going to be a second station with the Klingons on oh, the I remember that. next to it and all sorts. Yeah, yeah. About how it was yeah. all going to be about. The Federation and the Klingons fighting over who controls the world mm. all and Yeah. And, that, um, and none of it came to pass. And thankfully it didn't because we, what we got was amazing. Yes. And thankfully we had strong enough series heads who didn't let the studio. Well that's it, I think. Iris Stephen Bear was in charge at this point and he had a very clear idea on what he wanted DS9 to be, so and, yeah. and I just like to um, throw out there before we finish talking about this episode, just the nuanced, wonderful, as always, Ronnie Ronnie Aubergeonois performance. But this is such a tour de force fair. He gets a player goes down, a guy who is excited by intrigue, even in those moments of death. There's a bit at the beginning where he's got the where the woman comes into the shop, and when I she's leaving, and and and, and the, yeah, Garrick says to him though. Um, oh, she is quite attractive, though, and he looks back and goes, yeah, she is rather. Oh, and then he kind of points. It, it just those little character moments. He is just, he is such a nuanced, or was such a nuanced and fantastic. The thing is that it's become a solid at the end, and that little thing could have become something, but it's never picked up on again. No, but <laughs> that, I right. think, was a problem of scheduling. They wanted to do a story where Odo had a romance when he was a human, and they just didn't quite do it. It also works yeah. in kind of plot because, like, imagine, yeah, okay, you see her there, and if like, you, you might see, you might see her as a perk of being a humanoid. Human. You might, you might see. But not um, with her. Sorry, go on. If he did have a romance while he was a human, but not with this woman. No. Yeah, but I'm just, I was just saying. Anyway. I, I think like this scene at the end. I think that's him seeing some possibility of being humanoid. But I could also understand after months, like maybe of all the other realizations he makes about it, of um, you know, that taking seconds. It, so it does work within the plot why that might not be something that he's completely focused on when he's just become human and he doesn't want to be, and he gets depressed and everything. Yeah, give him five minutes. You know, let him have a think about it. But yeah it's there is a lot of potentially what they can do with Odo as a human and I don't feel like they fully explore all of it I don't know if there was no, a ba- I, don't think... I don't know if there was a, a behind the scenes reason why he gets re-changelinged as quickly as he does but we'll I'm get there I'm assuming that the fight was more useful as a changeling probably yeah um, um, and it took I, I don't know there was probably it wouldn't surprise me if there was a fan backlash to other become why haven't got the changeling yeah. anymore. Yeah, it oh, could I, have I been. I think it was always in the cut. I think they always want to do that. I think they, they want to have a period where they put this challenge before him, 
But for the main run, when you're going in towards the end, towards Dominion War and everything, I think they wanted him to be a changeling. There's so much yeah. more he can do. Yeah, definitely. But it's, it's it's something really fun, really great for him to play for a uh, half year, whatever it is. And also, again, Rene Ubjot. episodes, isn't it? Well, exactly. But as much as there are so many fantastic episode, uh, sorry, um, actors in Deep Space Nine, Rene Ubjot is such an established, such a really legend in, in acting. Really. Well, yeah. They actually, yeah. they actually changed uh, the character of Odo because of René Aubergine. Yeah. Because, like, the original uh, sort of things for how the character is meant to be, sort of like a Clint Eastwood-style uh, <laughs> yeah. sheriff, and then they got René Aubergine with and that. And because it, we, it came from a big theatre background, he's used to... Portrayed his emotions with a mask on. And yeah. Went, yeah, this is brilliant. <laughs> if, if I can also throw out there for anyone who hasn't seen Boston Legal, we've talked about it a few times on mm-hmm. here, I believe. But he's in there with Shatner, and there's one scene of them. They're in the bathroom uh, in the law office, and he does this wonderful speech about like uh, when he sees, I think it's Mickey Mantle or some famous baseball player, funnily enough. And he talks about seeing him in action. He goes, like, it was late in his career, and it's like, you know what? He was really great. Wasn't Mickey Mantle anymore though, and he's talking about how <clears throat> Chatner or uh, Denny Crane in in, in character yeah. has kind of aged past his usefulness. Um, and it's just such a wonderful performance, such a wonderful scene between two men. Because then Chatner goes nuts because he's on some new medication and like mm. really shouts at him. And like uh, I think like he stops. There's something about him stopping peeing or something. He goes. Looks like I'm not the one who's forgotten how to piss. And it's like, it's just a wonderful moment. It's um, a great scene, and it's two guys in the bathroom. But we, you don't feel like it is. It's, we can't yeah. mention many others on why without talking about uh, Police Academy 5, Operation Miami Beach, which, you know, may, may well be some of the finest acting you'll ever see. Um, okay. Well, yeah. But uh, anyway, I think that'll do us for this week then. So we'll be back with some more. Dominion War next week, and it's uh, double bill. We get episodes one and two of season five. Yeah. Uh, Apocalypse Rising in the Ship, both Dominion episodes. Um, so uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So if there's any Star Trek actors who are not feeling very well, if you could just hang on for another week. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but conversely, if anyone else wants to win more awards, like Michelle Yeo did, we're happy to talk about that. Yeah, just um, none of you die. I mean, we don't want you to die anyway, but especially. No, exactly. So, um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. Elliot's got his Retrek Model Studios page, which he's doing a lot of work. Tell us what the submarine's called again, Elliot, so I always forget it. I'm building a flying sub from uh, Boyd to the bottom of the sea. Um, I'm doing all the interior lighting at the moment, so... Video should be out this weekend, and we'll have a. I'll have. You'll be able to see all the interior lighting, all all working. <laughs> oh God! Spoiler alert! I didn't get a chance to say that. Put that out before you said that. <laughs> <laughs> and Doctor Squee, what's going on with the Doctor Squee show? Honestly, I've just finished all the putting out all the interviews from um, from Squeefest. Like it happened back in September, but it takes that long to get through twenty four hours worth of things. Mm-hmm. I've got one left, which is like half an hour long. Once it's edited down, because we had some tech issues, so it might be that with something else, or it depends on how long interviews I might have coming. Up. I'm basically 
let's be honest with you, I'm scrambling to scram and get some interviews now. I've realised I've run out of backlog. So something <laughs> will be coming up on the Doctor Squeeze show. I'll put it it's fine. Something or other on the Doctor Squeeze show. Um, That's but... uh, Tuesday, 6 to 8, sw20radio.co.uk. Thank you, just for anyone on audio. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye. And Dragon!